This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Today is Father's Day, so I want to start off by wishing every man who is raising a child a very joyous and fulfilled day. You're appreciated and loved. And while I hate made-up holidays, (laughs) I'm always ready to shower recognition and praise on people who are doing the most important job in society, I believe, which is parenting. I want to give a little history of Father's Day because as I was uh, preparing for this podcast today, I was like, why do we celebrate Mother's Day, Father's Day? But since it's Father's Day, uh, I went and started doing some research. And what was interesting is that I discovered that there's a heavy Christian Catholic church connection to Father's Day, which I didn't know. So the celebration of fatherhood started as a Catholic European tradition that dates back to 1508. It was observed on March 19th as a feast of St. Joseph, who is referred to as the fatherly nourisher of the Lord in Catholicism. And um, in Southern Europe, it, it was a tradition. This celebration was brought to the New World, to the Americas, by the Spanish and the Portuguese, who were heavily Catholic, and the Catholic Church actively supported the custom of a celebration of fatherhood on St. Joseph's Day from either the last years of the 14th century or from the early 15th century. Apparently, it was an initiative of the Franciscans. Father's Day was not celebrated officially in the United States outside of the Catholic tradition until the 20th century. Then as a civic celebration, not as a religious one, when it was inaugurated early in the 20th century as a compliment parallel to Mother's Day, celebrating fathers, of course. On June 19, 1910, a woman named Sonora Smart Dodd held a celebration at a YMCA in Spokane, Washington, to celebrate her father, William Jackson Smart, who was a Civil War veteran. He was a single parent who was raising his six children, and she was a member of the Old Centenary Presbyterian Church. There's that church thing, which is now known as the Knox Presbyterian Church, and she first proposed the idea of having a Father's Day in honor of her father. After hearing a sermon about Jarvis's Mother's Day in 1909, she told her pastor that fathers should have a similar holiday to honor them. So I I think it's interesting, again, through the church tradition, we get to have this wonderful celebration of of fathers. But it's the daughter, um, Sonora Smart Smart Dodd, that actually was the uh, pusher of this as a holiday, and her fight to have her own father honored and thus all men honored really became a national movement at some point. So she pushed her pastor to to celebrate fathers and he did. And then several local clergy people got the idea that on June 19th, 1910, which was the first Father's Day, sermons honoring fathers were presented throughout the city. So um, whether the clergymen thought it was easier to all be on the same page, thus making you know easy sermons on that particular Sunday or not, I don't know. But that started a whole church tradition where pastors would honor fathers, mostly in the Episcopal Church, all right, in the Methodist Church. Now, um, what ended up happening through this, people in the trade industry started catching wind that this thing was happening, that fathers were being honored in sermons, and they said, hmm, I wonder if we could um, sell ties and tobacco pipes and other traditional gifts that dads might want. So that started happening. And by 1938, Ms. Dodd 
uh, Smart Dot. She started uh, something called the Father's Day Council, uh, which was also founded in conjunction with the New York Associated Menswear Retailers to consolidate this systematized holiday and, and also making it a commercial foray. Uh, but Americans, some Americans were like, no, nah, wait a minute, pump your brakes. This is uh, sounding too uh, much like y'all trying to push product on us, which they were. Uh, and But the merchants were like, hey, we're, we're selling a lot of flowers and chocolates and stuff on Mother's Day. I bet we can sell a lot of ties and, and cigars and, and pipes and whatever other things that men like to wear. Uh, hmm. So all of a sudden now, this thing started to catch fire. Uh, it took a good few years, but by the mid-'80s, uh, the Father's Day Council, which again was started by a consortium of, of traders, uh, wrote that this should be like a second Christmas for men's gift-oriented industries. Now, let me back up. 1916, President Woodrow Wilson went to Spokane to speak at that Father's Day celebration in church, and uh, and he came back and wanted to officially recognize Father's Day as a federal holiday, but Congress was like, nope, and they pushed back, fearing that it would become too commercialized. <gasps> and then President Calvin Coolidge in 1924 um, decided that he was going to observe it and, and make it a national thing, but he stopped short of issuing a national proclamation. Two earlier attempts to formally recognize a holiday had been defeated in Congress, so he wasn't willing to, to fight that fight. But in 1957, a senator from Maine, her name is Margaret Chase Smith, wrote a Father's Day proposal accusing Congress of ignoring fathers for 40 years while honoring mothers. Again, a woman was pushing this. This is interesting. Thus singling out, singling out just one of our two parents. And by 1966, Lyndon Bain Johnson issued the first presidential proclamation honoring fathers, designating the third Sunday in June as Father's Day. Six years later, the day was made a permanent holiday when President Richard Nixon signed it, signed it into law in 1972. So that's the history of why this day is celebrated. But truthfully, and this is how I feel about all holidays, whether it's Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, Father's Day, Christmas, um, that every day we should be celebrating the people in our lives who make our lives easier and better, who have given us uh, the blueprint and the roadmap to success, who love us when we are not as lovable as we, we might need to be, who have uh, endured with us while we were figuring some stuff out. I just want to say, you know, there are moments when you just wish that, um, well, at least for me, I wish that he was here to see some of the things that I'm doing and thinking, or just to have a conversation with, because he was one of the smartest people I know. You know, if you, if you have a good dad, man, that's, I, I don't know, for girls in particular, to have a strong, good person in your life who loves you, you know, unconditionally. But I just want to say, um, happy Father's Day. And, and if you don't have your dad in your life, uh, know that whatever he put into you, f at least for me, Every day, you know, I live to honor values and the morals and the and the ideals and, and the vision that he had. I, I live to honor that. So he, he's never really gone as long as I'm doing my thing. Okay. Now, uh, to the questions, because on Sundays you can ask me anything, and I'm here to answer. So I went on Twitter, and I checked for the hashtag podcast. 
uh, at Karen Hunter, and I found a guy because I wanted to answer the question of a of a guy who looked like a dad. I think he's a dad. His name is Wink527 uh, because in his profile picture, he's there with his wife, and I think they have on motorcycle jackets, and they look really dope, and I think that he's probably a dad. But he had a great question. He said, hi, Karen. You've inspired me to start investing in dividend stocks. I have about 60 different stocks I'm investing in, and what was your inspiration to start investing in dividend stocks and what are your goals? Now, first of all, um, Mr. Wink527, you have taken the baton and ran way beyond what I'm doing right now. And I got inspired to invest in stocks actually by one of our producers on Urban View. Um, she had been talking to me about stocks and bonds, and she actually is the de facto um, money guru on Urban View, trying to get everybody to max out their 401k. She's she's like a, uh, an evangelist for money and just walks around and, and unsolicited advice. But, you know, what I really admire, and she's been on a few of my podcasts. Her name is Tremel. She's on the Godfrey Complex. And I talked to her about money because she's somebody that is self-taught. She is somebody who... Um, is not just self-taught. She's one of the most keen minds. Like she, she knows how to break this thing down and make it understandable. I was really risk averse, very much so, and the stock market felt like a Ponzi scheme or some sort of like gambling uh, thing. But when she started talking to me about dividends, she helped me to understand that I can invest in stocks and not worry about the ups and downs, the highs and lows of the stock market. I can focus on, you know. Um, building a portfolio that will pay me over time as I increase my numbers, uh, no matter what's happening with the, with the market. And I thought that that was brilliant. She even hit me to this guy. He's on YouTube. His name is PPC Ian. PPC Ian, if you go to YouTube, type in PPC Ian. Uh, this guy is another crusader. He's really smart and regular, and uh, he's got, like, a bunch of stocks, <laughs> but not 61. I don't even think he has 61. So, brother, you are doing the most, and I wonder what your strategy is. My strategy is to um, have enough stocks. So I, so I first started because I, you know, unfortunately didn't have thousands and thousands of dollars to pump into the stock market. So I couldn't just go out and buy everything that I wanted. So I put my stocks on automatic. So every month I put a certain amount of money into my stock account. And what I was doing is every month I would go in and invest in certain stocks. And my first goal was to get a hundred shares of the stocks that I had, each of them. And that took a long time for some of them, right? So so now, you know, it's like uh, once I get to 100, then I want to do 250, and then I want to get 500 shares. And I was really inspired by this young lady who had, um, I think she was like a 12-year-old, who had Bank of America stock. I think she had, had like 10,000 shares of Bank of America stock. And she challenged the CEO of Bank of America to do better. She went to a shareholders meeting and basically cussed this guy out. And I was like, wow, this 12-year-old has so much power. How does she have so much power? Well, she's a major stockholder in Bank of America. So, so they have to listen to her. And once you understand this power game, that the more, the more shares you have of a stock, the more you say you have and how that particular stock rolls. Now, I am very um, socially conscious, meaning that I don't invest in anything that goes against my values. So there are stocks that are, that are killing it that I will never invest in because it doesn't line up with me spiritually, because I believe that money is spiritual and where you 
dip your dollars, all money's not good money. I really firmly believe that. So I tend to invest in the things that I use and utilize, but wisely, because there's some things I use that, you know, that the rest of the world may not care about. And doesn't mean that, you know, that that stock is going to be uh, amazing just because you may work somewhere or, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying something, or, you know, doesn't mean that that's the stock you invest in. You, you, you do your research. So that was the other thing that I was challenged to do. And I like teachers uh, who will lead you to water, but not force you to drink and allow you to taste the water and start to realize this is some good water and I want more of it. So that was the thing I think, you know, that I, I most appreciate about my learning experience is that um, Tramel from the Godfrey Complex put bread crumbs down. Like she led me to the PPC Ian, taught me how to read the, um, the, the, um, the stocks that I was tr thinking about investing. She didn't just tell me invest in the stock. She said, I'm investing in this stock, but here's what you need to know about it. And maybe it's not right for you because I'm in a different place in my life where, you know, it's like to have those people that you can have that conversation with. And I just recently um, hired somebody that I'm also um, working with to, to help me expand. But this, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, a lot of us have been trained and conditioned to not invest. Only 4% of black folk invest in the stock market. That's ridiculous. This is where millionaires and billionaires are made. And some of it is, you know, like I knew that Uber and Lyft were not the things to invest in initially. I was going to wait on that, even though Beyonce made out, but she made out differently because she had such a large number of shares coming in. But you also got to know that game with startups. So I'm not messing with startups. I'm messing with companies that have been around forever, um, but also companies that have been around forever that will continue to be around because they're investing in things that will keep them relevant. And so those are things. So now I have a subscription to the Wall Street Journal. I'm watching the markets differently than I was 10 years ago. And my goal is to be able to live off of my dividends. I want to get a check every month that is equal to the amount of money that I need to live and travel when I'm 99, because you know I'm taking care of 99-year-old Karen. So I hope that helps. Um, but I thank you for the question. I think that was an, a great question. And again, happy Father's Day. And anybody out there that has a question, you can ask me about anything. I don't I don't have a problem answering anything. So you can go to um, at Karen Hunter, where you can follow me on the Twitters and hashtag podcast. I'll search and pick a question or two for Sundays. This is when I'm doing this. And also, let me shout out 100 Coconuts. Um, I had them on my show um, last week, and I'm now in love with 100 Coconuts. So I had a smoothie today. So go to 100 Coconuts. They made a special um, uh, check. Like when you check out, you get 10% off when you go to 100 Coconuts and use my code, which is Karen100. This is the best coconut water I've ever drank. And so I hope you drink it. Let me know about that too on Twitter. If you've in, in, you know, imbibed, if you have tasted and sampled the, the sweet nectar of the coconut water at 100coconuts.com and use my code Karen100. I want to know what you think about it because I don't just want to put things out there. I want to also know what you think. I like it. Maybe you will too, but if you don't, let me know. All right, till next time, y'all. 